0: So as I told you, um, our Advent series this year is is based by the book The Heart That Grew Three Sizes by Matt Raw. Matt is a pastor at a church in Shreveport and he took a timeless classic and I feel like he did a phenomenal job of approaching the Christmas story in a way that all of us can relate to, in a way that all of us Um, are able to understand what he's trying to say. And I I think it's funny the way that God works sometimes. The title of today's message is When Everything is Wrong. Um, So Jeremy's out of town again this week and I thought he had done the slideshow and then I come into the sanctuary to put in the scripture we're going to use and I realize he had done... um, hardly any of the slideshow, uh, and that's my fault for not listening, and so I was like, oh, well, this is going to be fitting when everything is wrong, how about that? Uh, and then I, I missed the lighting of the Advent wreath where it was supposed to be, uh, but I learned something about that, and we're going to try that next week, so it helps. Um, would you pray with me real quick as we get ready to open God's Word and we get re- get ready to, um, to hear His Word for us this morning? God, I thank you always and everywhere for the opportunity to speak of your name. God, I know that in the mix of daily life and trying to keep up with the responsibilities that we have as, as people, as family members, as employees, and as members of society at large, uh, it's very easy. It's very easy to neglect our time with you. But God, I am grateful that with each breath that we draw, we have the opportunity to give praise to who you are. We have the opportunity to remember who you are for each one of us. God, this morning I ask that you would block out our distractions. God, that you would help us to hear the things that we desperately need to hear in our souls. God, we are in the midst of newsstand times for the church where it seems that everything your people do uh, is, is the centerpiece of somebody else's criticism, the centerpiece of somebody else's reasoning for not to believe. And God, oftentimes we are the creators of our own anxiety when it comes to understanding you and believing in you. God, be our Prince of Peace this morning. Be our great Redeemer and our Lord. God, as we remember the Christmas story and as we celebrate this Advent season, God, be the center of our being and the center of our focus. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So in 1957, Dr. Seuss wrote a story about a monster who lived at the top of a mountain in isolation, isolation who was unhappy with the things that he was seeing taking place in the small town below him. You and I uh, are familiar with the story of the Grinch. Some of you may even remember when the story came out But the word Grinch is something that is common everyday language. It has moved beyond just the Christmas season. Uh, He is almost a hero to many, many people. He's right up there with Batman and Superman. Um, But it's the story of this monster who lives in isolation on top of Mount Crumpet And seeing the the jubilant celebration and the, the happiness of the Who's in Whoville down below him He decides that it is his responsibility and his duty to the world To steal away all the things that give them joy So that they can rightfully experience the misery that they should be enduring But what happens in the story of the Grinch Uh, is classic of all things that we try to prescribe to someone who is not full of joy or who is not in the happiness of the of the season so when his plans uh to foil their joy and their celebration didn't go as he had hoped for the Grinch instead begins to see a change happen in his life and he begins to realize that the celebration that he thought was based off of stuff and the things that they would be receiving was actually not what they were celebrating at all And what I realized and what Matt was trying to get the reader to understand is that there's an example of something that happens in our own faith through the story of the Grinch. And what we're going to see over the next few weeks is how this monster who was set on being sad and being frustrated instead becomes happy. So when we hear the word Grinch, what do we think of? Green. We think of green. That's exactly right. The Grinch is green. Now, when he actually started out, he was not green. Uh, I found this out. It was only after a newspaper got a hold of the story and they were going to start promoting it and pushing it, did they decide that green, because of jealousy, would be the right color for the Grinch. Did you know that the Grinch, several years later, actually made it into the dictionary as a legitimate term? We use the word Grinch all the time, don't we? If somebody's having a good time and we think they're being a little too loud, we call them the Grinch. That's right. Uh, When mom or dad's doing something or telling us to do something we don't want to do, we say, why are you being such a Grinch? Am I right? I feel like spouses really use that word a lot kind of as a passive-aggressive, hey, I think you should be doing this, but you're not, so you're a Grinch. So... The interesting thing about the story of the Grinch is that nobody wants to be associated with the Grinch in real life. Am I right? Nobody wants to think of themselves as being a Grinch. It's just not normal. It's not natural for somebody to want to be thought of in regards to the Grinch. But what we're going to see today is that there are many aspects of the Grinch and what earned him this title that really lines up with the way that we approach our faith. Have you ever thought about the fact that you might be a Grinch when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ? You'd say, Matt, absolutely not. There's no way. I was surprised. I'll be honest with you. So... When we think about understanding the Grinch, we have to think about the greatest question that has ever uh, that humanity has ever encountered. It's a one-word question, and we ask it all the time. The question is why. Have you ever found yourself ever asking the question why at any time whatsoever? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? Why did you allow this to happen, God? Why, if they were such a good person, uh, would they do something like that? So why? That is one of the questions that I think humanity will be struggling to understand for the rest of our existence. Why do things happen the way that they do? So the Grinch starts out with the question, why? It is the most wonderful, most beautiful, happiest time of year, but yet he is in a bad mood. He is in such a sour mood that even his best friend, his dog, Max, is scared to be around him at times. And so we wonder, Grinch, why are you in such a bad mood? Well, if you have paid attention to the Grinch over the years in the several adaptations and uh, retellings of the stories, we kind of get a background story of why the Grinch was mad. In Jim Carrey's version, we understand that some things happened in his childhood in order to make him feel this way. But the original story of the Grinch never, ever, ever tells us the back story. It just tells us that the Grinch is in a bad mood. You ever been in a bad mood and you just don't know why? Yes, that's exactly right. So here's the Grinch miserable frustrated and we don't know why and we under we never understand why so during advent we have an assignment that we're all familiar with right it is to prepare for christmas day right it is to make sure that we sing all the christmas songs to make sure that we do all the traditions and all the things that we're supposed to do so that christmas day comes and christmas day is perfect has anybody, never, has anybody in here ever not had a perfect Christmas day? Anybody in here ever not had a perfect Advent season? You ever wondered why? Well, it's because we went with white lights this year instead of colored lights. I, I will say yes, that's probably why your Christmas was terrible. When you take out the colored lights and you go with the white lights, that's how things go. You don't like it? I don't care. I'm in charge. So sometimes... When we celebrate Advent and we get to Christmas, we are left asking ourselves, why did things seem different this year? We did everything we were supposed to do. We made sure we checked everything off. Everything was perfect, but yet it's not the feeling that we had hoped for. When we forget the point of the Christmas story, Sometimes we will fail to experience the fullness of what Christmas is meant to be about. I want to read to you again the passages of scripture that our call to worship was based on. And I want you to hear the words of the prophet Isaiah as he, as he speaks this word of God to the people. He said, Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence, and as fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, you would come to make the nations tremble, and then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. We are all infected and impure with sin, and when we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and we fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Yet no one calls upon your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore... You are Lord, you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sin. So in this passage of Isaiah, we see where the author is crying out before the people for the Lord to come. But yet during the discourse of his praying for the Lord to come, it's almost as if he realizes that the Lord's arrival is not going to be a good thing. You ever been at church? And it just doesn't feel right. Did you know that today is exactly one year since we made the decision to become one congregation again? We started this Sunday last year. And it has been, it's been a fun ride, I'll tell you that. Some of you have been excited about it. Some of you have been miserable about it. Some of you have been, okay, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to go with the flow. And some of you have said, we will not stand for this injustice. Things will be straightened out and things will be right. That is part of the learning about faith and the trusting in God and believing that God is the one that is in control and at the center. So as Isaiah is saying these words and he is wanting the people to hear, we have to ask ourselves sometimes... Do we say that we want the presence of the Lord, but yet when we think about it deep within our hearts, when no one else is there to hear what we're thinking, or no one else is there to know what is going on within us, we can admit that the truth is, is that perhaps we're not really in the right spot where the Lord's presence would be best for us. So we we try to put on that outward air, and we try to... Um, Have that outward image of of like we've got it all together, but yet behind the scenes, we really just want it to be a little bit easier. We really just want it to be over. That way, this feeling that is within us, we don't have to deal with anymore. As God's people, we know that God's presence is always with us, am I right? That's kind of one of those hallmarks of our faith. But yet sometimes we try to approach God like the Grinch, where we would prefer to be isolated within ourselves than be around other people where some things might have to happen that we don't really want to to have. In our mind, Jesus is only supposed to work through things that we understand, that we can uh, readily accept, that we're prepared for. And we're good when Jesus shows up in ways like that. But when those things become absent, we begin to fail and we begin to have trouble seeing Jesus in our midst. So the Grinch, in his attempts to foil the celebration and the jubilation of the Who's, uh, he he gets his sled together and he gets his dog Max and he gives him a a reindeer horn because, you know, that's how you got to do it. And he goes and he gathers up everything that he can that has to do with Christmas. And he is just going to abolish Christmas for the Who's and he is going to set them straight that celebrating is ridiculous because there's nothing worth celebrating about. But you know how the story goes. On Christmas Day, the Who's get up and they sing their song, Whoville, Whoville, whatever. I don't know what you're saying. I think they just say Who over and over again. And the Grinch doesn't understand why if all of their stuff, all of the things that was supposed to bring joy, all the things that was supposed to um, usher in the happiness and the celebration is gone, how could they still celebrate You see, the the Grinch had a misunderstanding of what it was all about. He had done all this work in preparing to take away all the joy, but he had misunderstood what it was all about. For us as Christians, Advent is the whole season of preparing for the coming of Christ. But we have to do it a certain way. Farmers, have you ever been working on a piece of equipment and you remember from years before you had the same issue and so you go in there based off of that knowledge and you're going to fix it and then when you get into it you realize this is not how it's done at all? Or maybe maybe you've cooked something before and you're like, oh I know this recipe, I've done this hundreds of times, but then when you get into it you realize, well maybe I didn't do it this way, maybe I did this or maybe it should have been done this way instead. I think I did it that way. And then by the end of it, you realize you you don't know what's going on or what you're doing. So as Christians, we do a really good job of approaching Christmas that way. We remember Christmas season. We remember that you're supposed to decorate this, that you're supposed to call these people, that you've got to take the pictures before Thanksgiving because if you don't, the card will never get there in time and people begin be getting the Christmas card in February and nobody likes that to happen. But as Christians, as we prepare for Advent, not only are we to remember the story of Jesus, but we are to remember the story well. As a master craftsman of any sport, the number one thing that you do is you refresh yourself before you jump into whatever endeavor you are about to intake. As a mechanic, it would do you well to look over the manuals, to maybe watch some YouTube videos, just to get things shipped shape before you jump in there in the middle of it if you're going to cook something it's always a good idea to what look at the recipe book and i'll tell you right now if you try to find a recipe on google it's not going to work nobody uses ingredients lists anymore they tell you how to do it down there put ingredients in there it's frustrating so when we celebrate advent it is imperative it is very important to us to understand how the story of jesus began For many of us, the story of Jesus at Advent begins with the list that I just went over. The cards, making sure the lights are hung, making sure all the Christmas presents are bought, making sure that everybody knows who is doing what when everybody gets together Christmas Day. And we spend so much time trying to maintain control so that we can manage the story and manage the way that Christmas turns out that we forget the reason why the story even began we forget how the story began remember the story of Jesus was not one that began with warm sweaters That began with carols by the fire, that began with families getting together and joining together who haven't got to see each other all year long. But the story of Jesus began much differently than that. And we know in the Gospel of Luke that it began with a manger, a place where feed and hay would be placed for livestock to be able to eat. And you can go into the theories of, well, livestock lived in people's houses back then, and so it was totally different. It was a place where an animal ate. It was the last place where you would think a savior would be laid. And we look back and we can remember the story of Herod, a tyrant ruler who was so set on maintaining control that he would give the order to slaughter all the children that fit within a certain age range in order that this king that everybody proclaimed would not steal his spot. Jesus did not come as you would expect a king to come. Mary and Joseph did not spend time making sure that everybody had their matching camel hair sweaters. Mary did not make sure that Jesus' Christmas onesie would be laid out so that when he got there, everything would look great for their first family picture. But yet Jesus came in the midst of, of a world that had become distorted in the midst of a world that had misunderstood the beauty by which god had created it and the beauty by which god had spoken each one of them into existence but jesus came in the midst of a story that was supposed to be of peace but instead it was of brokenness amidst of chaos and hate When we distort and when we misunderstand the things that were meant by God to bring peace, it can cause indifference within us. It can even cause us to hate one another. And when we approach the things of God and we fail to realize who we come to worship or we fail to realize why we are worshiping, we find ourselves enamored and caught up with all the stuff that is associated with it. When we approach God, we have to be certain that our focus is not on ourself, that we are not in doubt taking things meant to be beautiful and turning them into weapons. You see, the Grinch thought that all the stuff that he could take away would be the thing that would determine the celebration and so often we approach advent and we approach worship focused on that stuff and when that stuff is not present then we don't understand how we are to worship so as we begin advent let us have a reset for ourselves let us ask Ourselves, if we can approach the story perhaps a little bit differently, I want to read to you a passage out of the prophet Amos' book. And I want you to hear the words that he has for the people of God when they begin to focus more on stuff instead of the who or the why. It's Amos chapter 5, verse 21. He says, I hate your shows and your pretentious gatherings, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and your solemn assemblies. I will, I will not accept your burnt offerings, your grain offerings. I won't even notice your peace offerings. Away with all this noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I would like to see a mighty flood of justice and an endless river of righteous living. So we've spent time through the prophet Isaiah and and through uh, Jesus speaking with his disciples about the pure heart, about the good intentions, about the true reason why we come to worship. And as we begin an Advent season, we're faced immediately with asking ourselves the question, is the way that we are approaching this Advent season based on the things that it needs to be based on and sometimes I find myself asking the question does my idea of worship ever match Amos's description of something that would churn God's stomach does my understanding of church ever prove that I don't celebrate the who I am worshiping or the why that I am worshiping? But am I like of the Grinch? Where things should go my way, where life should look a certain way to me, and if not, then obviously people are not getting it right. Paul reminds the church in Rome... That true worship of Christ is a worship that loves others and goodness, that hates the things uh, of darkness and of brokenness, and one that ushers through the light and the peace of Christ. So as we are sitting here this morning, and as we're thinking about all the things that we need to do to get ready for Advent and to prepare for all of that, Are we prepared this Advent season to truly, truly worship with the right things in focus? Have we become so bogged down already making sure that things are going to be in place uh, where they should be that we can prepare for the coming of Christ Are we allowing our hearts to focus and center on the things that are necessary in order that we might experience the coming of the Christ? Are we ready for our festivals and our celebrations to worship the right person? Or are we setting ourselves up to be let down by unmet expectations? You see, when we expect and only allow God to work and move in certain ways, we fail to trust him to move in any other way. And what happens when we fail to trust somebody to do what they're supposed to do? We end up trying to do it ourselves, do we not? And I think that's where a lot of our frustration and our letdown in life and Advent and and church and everything comes from is that We don't see God moving, so we try to do it ourselves. So I want to read to you that Christmas story beginning, and I just want you to listen to it, and I want you to hear these words of how the story begins again, and then let's begin to approach Advent from that understanding and from that aspect Listen as I read these words from Luke's gospel. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph and a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and he said, Greetings, favored woman, for the Lord is with you confused and disturbed mary tried to think of what the angel could mean don't be afraid mary the angel told her for you have found favor with god you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him jesus and he will be very great and he will be called the son of god most high and the lord will give him the throne of his ancestor david and he will reign over israel forever his kingdom and his kingdom will never end mary asked how could this be because i'm a virgin To which the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The baby will be born and will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. As we begin this Advent season, do you find yourself standing on top of a mountain isolated with things in your head of what the perfect Christmas season looks like, with an idea of what the way things should be looks like? Or are you preparing yourself for the day when these words of the angel are to come true, that through a virgin God would send a Messiah who would come to fulfill prophecy, who would come to be the fullness of God and humanity as the savior and the redeemer of the world. Let us be careful how we approach this advent. Let us pay attention that we might understand what life in Christ really means. Let us not approach it like the Grinch with unmet expectations. Which would keep us from finding and experiencing Christ. But in the darkness and in the brokenness of our world, let us worship God, for we know that the light of the world, Jesus Christ, is on the way. Let us remember his story well, and let it proclaim let us proclaim it with our lives this Advent season. Would you pray with me? Father God, I ask that during the season of Advent, God, that you would soften our hearts, that you would soften our resolve to be in control and to be the one that is in charge of everything that you are doing in our lives and in the lives of those around us. I said you would guide us to be able to tell your story well. To give us a desire to remember that your story began in the darkness and in the brokenness of a world, a world that needed a Messiah. And that you came not for decoration, not for pomp, not for ostentatious celebratory festivals, but God, you came in the stillness of the night to reclaim, to redeem, and to save your beloved creation. God, you did all of this because you chose to live with us. Help us to experience you this season, to embrace you and not the stuff, and let our lives shine for you. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.